Oh hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery, to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. So, call me crazy, but today's guest on pep talk is me. That's right, a few people have suggested along the way that since I founded Sweet Bakery and Cakery here in Wellington, it might be kind of cool for me to have a bit of a chat on one episode about my own journey starting a bakery business. I'm probably going to get all nostalgic doing this because Sweet was my first baby and is still something I'm so proud of and have so much love for. So bear with me. I put out a call on Instagram at peptalknz if you're having FOMO right now. And so while I'm usually the interviewer on these podcasts, today you guys are doing the interviewing and I will be answering answering all of your burning questions along the way. So here goes. Probably the first question on your lips is you might be wondering, do I get off the hook on the this or that questions? Well, I just don't think that would be fair and I love asking them, so I thought it would be fun for me to answer them for once. So I asked some of my friends (laughs) to fire me some questions and this is what they came up with. All right, I made sure it was clean, don't worry. First one, backpacking or resort? So this is super easy for me. I'm going to say resort all the way. I've I've never really been properly backpacking. I we did go on like a 8 week trip around Europe when we were maybe 19, but I took a suitcase on wheels. So I definitely can't claim to be a backpacker. I love going on resort holidays, island tropical getaways are totally my thing and we actually just had a holiday to Rarotonga that was cancelled because of COVID-19 which obviously I know there's big issues at play and I can't complain about but it was still pretty devastating in a first world kind of way. All right next we've got sweet or savory which I can see why they asked and is surprisingly a hard one to answer because I obviously had a business called sweet and I have a huge sweet tooth but at the same time I really 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 love chips like chippies um crisps if you're in the UK especially salt and vinegar I like my favorite food in the whole wide world which is very classy I know so I really I think I might have to sit on the fence on that one which I know is so naughty but um I'm gonna say both sorry next up we've got red velvet or salted caramel which is another good one on the cupcake theme and for this I think I'm actually going to say red velvet it's I don't know, soda caramel is good and it has its tie, has its moment, but it's quite sweet. And I think having had like seven years of sweetness overload, I lean towards the ones that are a bit more balanced, like red velvet, which is slightly savory. It's a little bit bitter and it's got the vinegar in there. And as we know, I love vinegar. So, uh, oh, and also the cream cheese frosting that you have on a red velvet. I love cream cheese. So yeah, let's go with that. All right, next we've got dancing or karaoke. And I do love both, 
but I'm going if I have to pick one I'm going to go with karaoke I feel like if you do karaoke you get to do both you get to dance and and sing so that way you're kind of hedging your bets um do love a good boogie though so yeah no but karaoke it is and then the last one I thought this was kind of mean we've got North Island or South Island which is very tricky because half of my family which is my husband's family are from Wanaka obviously in the South Island that he's a South Island baby and I studied in the South Island and the South Island is just so beautiful and I love the cold crisp I love like autumn down in central Otago and yeah oh that's so hard but I am a North Island girl I grew up in Wellington I went to school here uh, my family my family on my side is all here and I think it's gonna win I'm sorry South Island I'm sorry Kreft family but I'm gonna go with the North Island for that one all right so there you go that was that was fun I like the this or that thank you everyone for giving me the questions for that that was cool and a good way to warm up so happy with that <laughs> all right so first up I thought it would be kind of cool for me to tell you a bit about my background so what I was doing before I started the sweet business just kind of it's quite an integral part of the story so basically I studied at Otago like I mentioned and I studied law as a LLB and then I also did a BA in politics philosophy and economics which sounds Harry harder but it's actually a triple degree like in one it's not like three degrees don't panic so I went to law school my mum is a lawyer and my mum always said don't become a lawyer so of course I went to law school which makes perfect sense because you always do the opposite of what your parents tell you but I always I always said I'm going to go to law school but I don't want to be a lawyer but I kind of chose it as one of those broad degrees uh, you know people say it's like if you've got skills and like English and communications and the arts it's kind of like a good general degree which I do agree with to some extent uh, so I ended up doing the law degree and was like I'm not going to be a lawyer and then you get towards the end of your law degree and if anyone's done uh, law and accounting and things like that you'll know graduate recruitment which is the process where all the firms come in the big firms come in and like woo you and basically take you out for dinner give you a lot of wine and lots of goodie bags and it's quite competitive and I have a pretty competitive nature so I kind of got sucked into that process you know everyone's applying you're like oh just apply and see what happens and then of course I end up working in a law firm and I worked in a law firm called DLA Phillips Fox it was at the time and now it's called DLA Piper and I worked in managed funds and corporate law for two years there and I just met the most fantastic people who I am still friends with now and as far as law firms go I loved DLA it's it's a really great one but it just law just wasn't for me like I knew very early on and if I'm honest with myself I already knew that this wasn't my thing I didn't feel comfortable I found it quite a challenging environment to work in even though I was you know okay at it kind of good at it like I could I could have kept doing it um but I found it I found it emotionally quite difficult I'm quite a sensitive person which we'll probably get to later when we talk about business I'm an empath I feel things quite deeply and so law which is reasonably cutthroat even in a even in a really personable law firm like the one I worked in it yeah it just didn't suit me and I knew that and I said I'll do two years I thought I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not use this law degree I'll give it a try I'll do two years and I think after that I'll have a really good idea of whether that's 
you know, something that I want to keep doing. So two years to the day, like literally to the day, I finished working there. And that was when it was time to go on our OE. So people, if maybe you're listening, you're not from New Zealand, the OE is the overseas experience, which is what young Kiwis generally tend to do in their kind of early 20s where they go and spend some time living abroad. Because we're so far away from everything else in New Zealand, you kind of have to go and do the world in one you know, one to three year chunk rather than like when you live in Europe, you can just dip on over to France whenever you feel like it. It's a bit different for us. So we went over to the UK, which is actually where I'm from originally. I have, um, I'm actually from the north of England originally, which is why I say weird A sounds sometimes like grass and dance and things like that. You might have noticed. So I have family all over the UK and in Guernsey, which is in the Channel Islands. So I was so happy to be back in the UK on our OE. We lived in London for a year in southwest London and Wandsworth, uh, which is such a cool place. And I thought, well, I don't want to work in a law firm in London. I knew that law really wasn't for me by this stage I had a good idea of that and you hear horror stories about what it's like working in those big law firms the magic circle law firms that they call it in the UK and it was like well that's definitely not for me if I can't hack like a really nice friendly New Zealand law firm (laughs) let's not give that a go and I thought well what else do I like and baking had always been my passion it was like my thing you know how some not everyone has a thing but most people you have something that you identify them with and baking was mine I baked on the weekends and after work and just as a hobby so I and I had started a blog this was obviously quite a while ago now I was clearly like a trailblazer in the blogging world uh and embarrassingly it is still available but I am not going to tell anyone what it was called because it's so embarrassing when I look back at it now but I was like so baking is my passion so why don't I try working as a baker in the UK when I'm on my OE, because it's like, well, it's reasonably low risk. Uh, if I do it and it and it bombs out and I'm terrible at it and I hate it, then it's kind of like, well, you know what? Doesn't matter. I was just on my OE. It's not going to hurt my CV. It's not going to damage my career prospects. It was like a low risk way to try it out. Uh, so moved over to the UK and worked at an amazing bakery over there called Crumbs and Doilies. Look it up. They are just flawlessly good bakery so I obviously didn't have any formal training but I just sent this sent emails out to these bakeries that I'd heard of in London I was like I'm passionate (laughs) give me a job basically uh in more words than that yeah so I just had this absolutely magic year like the best year ever working at this bakery in Wandsworth which is where we lived as well which was so handy for London And then it came time to move home. So I will get on to talking about what when we moved home and how we started the business. But I want to address a couple of questions first that came up. So firstly, I get asked this a wee bit, which is do I regret getting a law degree? Have I wasted all those years? And I think the answer to that is no, I don't regret it. I definitely still use it. I think asking that that question is quite a naive view of going to uni and I think not not necessarily thinking that through properly because I don't think anyone who goes to uni remembers the actual facts and information that they learn while they're there. God, I definitely cannot remember the finer details of the Crimes Act. What you're doing at university is learning how to learn and to solve problems and to communicate and write and 
all of the other things, of course, as well, about going to uni, like lifestyle, having fun, which you definitely do if you go to Otago, being independent, learning to be a grown-up, like all of that is just indispensable. So maybe I wouldn't have chosen a five-year uni path that I'm not directly using, maybe, but ultimately I wouldn't change a thing because this is all just part of the journey that's got to where I am now and I'm not going to regret that in any way. And I do, in a more specific way, still sometimes use the things that I learned. So, um, you know, reading Acts of Parliament, um, regulations, understanding, oh, like reading agreements. And, I, you know, the whole time we were at Sweet, I reviewed every agreement and lease, and I wrote all the employment agreements because I had those skills. So even without all that vague stuff about going to uni, I think more specifically you do use it as well. And then the other question I had was, was about getting formal bakery training. So no, I have no formal bakery training or cooking training at all. I've always been a passionate hobby baker, like I mentioned. But you know, I just don't think that you need specific training in the industry that you want to work in or have a business in. It doesn't hurt, of course, like if it's doable for you, it fits your plan, you can afford it, great. But it's not essential. I think getting on the job experience, like interning, working for free, learning on the job, like I did at Crumbs and Doilies, getting a junior role and soaking it all in, that is so much more important. And I got asked this a lot when I was hiring staff for Sweet Bakery as well, like, oh, I, I don't have a patisserie degree, I can't work here, but no, absolutely not. Some of our best bakers were not formally trained. I personally think that hard work, passion, and number one, being enthusiastic just makes up for a lack of training any day. The other thing that people asked in this kind of context was around having the courage to make that jump from the stable law degree to the baking and the business. And that's a really good question because on paper, it does look like a massive jump and you know I did play that up a little bit in the PR about ditching the law for the cupcakes and and all of that when the business launched but I think in reality when you unpack it a little bit it wasn't the big scary move that it maybe looks like I would say that I took very calculated risks in doing it I was only a couple years into my law my law career I was going on the OE, like I mentioned, so it was like this bite-sized, relatively risk-free way of doing it. And I think that that basically sums up my approach to everything in in starting a business and also, uh, n you know, now or also while I was running the business was about taking these really calculated risks. And I think the most, the, the best way I can think to describe that to you is asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen? What's the fallback if this doesn't work. And like I mentioned, when I went to the UK to work at Crumbs and Doilies, I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen if this tanks? I'll just move back and be like, yeah, I had an amazing OE. It was cool. Now back to the real world. I'm back for my job. Thank you. <laughs> like there's always, in most circumstances with something you're considering, there's always a fallback option. And you just need to figure that out in your head so that you're comfortable with it know what that fallback is and then proceed accordingly knowing that you've got this backup that's not actually that bad like uh with starting the business to say if we we ran out of money and it, and it was really tight i could move back in with my parents and then i don't have to pay that much rent for a while like there's always like a backup and i i do acknowledge that that is easier when you're younger 
So I'm not saying that you can't take the take a leap like that when you're older. And I definitely would never say that because I don't believe that. But I will acknowledge that I did this at a time of my life where the risks were relatively lower. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a kid. I didn't have a lease. Uh, you know, yeah, all of that kind of comes into it a little bit. But I think overall, my answer to that is just about breaking it down and being like, actually, is this as scary as it sounds? Because a lot of things can sound quite daunting on, you know, with the headline, <laughs> ditch law job to become a cupcake baker. But when you actually break it down, it's like, well, it's not actually that scary. But the one thing that I will say about this as well is that a lot of this and I think a lot of where this question might have come from was that a lot of people worry about what people will think. So I saw this amazing quote the other day that was, what would you do if it didn't matter what anyone thought? I'm not putting that very well, but it was like basically like, imagine if you removed the ability of anyone else to judge you, what would you do? What would you be doing right now? And I think that's so true because every, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think about doing some things, I'm like, what will so-and-so think? Uh, so-and-so might judge me. Oh, this is embarrassing. What if someone sees me do this and I fail? So I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm just putting that out there as something that I feel like where questions like that come from. I'm sure that we can unpack that a little bit further. And I think there's a whole world of research that we can do on that. Uh, but that was my, I always think about that quote now when I'm thinking about doing scary things. I'm like, remove, like pick up and remove that aspect about what anyone else thinks. Just take that off the, off the table. And then what would you do? And I think that really gets to the, the core, the heart of what you want to be doing and will give you that push to do something that might seem scary because you're worried about what other people might think. I think now I'll quickly take you through a bit about when I was starting Sweet because a few people asked about this, the process from the beginning, from deciding it to, to having two cake shops and 13 staff and everything. Obviously that's a big <laughs> that's a big topic so I won't try and cover it all in this chat but I think I'll try and take you through the kind of uh, key points along the way. So where we got to was that we moved back from the UK and I was time to figure out what I was going to do with my life now. And actually I say that it was time now, but I had been thinking about this while I was there as well. And I loved working in the bakery. Like everything about that was me to a T. I just, yeah, I don't think I've ever loved a job as much as I loved working in that bakery. So I knew this was for me, which was great. Tick, this experiment paid off. I'd found, you know, what I loved doing. Uh, not saying it wasn't hard, but I loved doing it. And so I knew that I didn't want to come back to New Zealand and get a job working for someone else doing this. And I think partly because there probably weren't that many options. You know, there's not that many cupcake bakeries in New Zealand. There's not that many jobs in it, especially in Wellington before we started Sweet. So it was kind of a case of, well, I should do my own one. So I learned a lot while I was at Crimson Doilies, soaked it all in. And that kind of, someone asked what that motivation was to start a business. And I think for me, it was partly that not wanting to do this for someone else, but still wanting to do this. So I needed to create myself a job, basically. But it was also, I've always had a bit of that in me, in that, that on, I don't know if I want to say entrepreneurial, because I think that's got a whole lot of other stuff 
that goes with it. But I've always been a real planner and I make things happen and I bring things to life. And I, you know, I used to play shop, like going right back to childhood, I used to play shops and uh, do, do markets in my back garden and um, do fundraising for charity and stuff. So I always had that kind of um, money entrepreneurial if we're going to call it that side of things so I think that was part of the motivation as well like the idea of having my own business really fired me up like I found that so exciting and I think that's how you kind of know to some extent what's right and what's motivating you is what's getting your like I call it like a fire in the belly like you can feel that like I have to do that that's my that's me so that's kind of where I think a few parts of where that motivation came from. But when we moved back, I straight up, like straight off the plane, treated this like my job. I had a desk in the spare room and I, and I sat down there every morning and I took a lunch break and this was my job now. So I think with those steps of what, what you need to do to start, which a few people have asked, I think you need to imagine a day working in your business when it's open. Obviously, this is hypothetical, but think through in your head, like picture it, right? I go to work. Where am I working? What am I doing? Who's there? What do I need to actually make this function? So I was looking at equipment, somewhere to bake, what the prices would be, where I'd get the ingredients from, setting up a website, designing a logo, getting a trademark, figuring out the business structure, doing the tax and accounting, how I'd do that, where I was going to sell, what was my channel, who was my ideal customer? All of those questions I was sitting down and working through methodically. Like I knew what I was going to do and I just worked through step by step. There's also an element of sums to this, like maths, which I'm not good at. Not my thing. Words are my thing, not numbers. And it's also very hard to do because you, when, you're, when you're starting out, you don't have anything to base this on. So I acknowledge that this is really hard, but it can just be rough. Like unless you're going to be seeking investment uh, or raising capital, nobody needs to see this. This is just for you. So for me, this was a case of like, I can still picture this piece of paper in my head. If I make this many cakes a week and the ingredients cost this much and the rent cost this much, how much does my cake need to cost? It's as basic as that. Like, I think some people think this has to be this big, extraordinary spreadsheet or whatever, but it really doesn't. It can just be your doodles on a piece of paper. And as long as you're comfortable with it and where you've got to, that's all that matters. So a few people have asked if I had any investment when I started Sweet. And I think that's a really great question. The answer to that is that I borrowed, I think it was $2,000 from my parents to buy some assets from the kitchen um, that we took over. And I also had saved some of our own money. So I think maybe we had about $5,000 all up and that's that's all we put into Sweet to begin with. And I think that's the really great thing about a business structure like this one. As long as you can afford to not get paid or not get paid much for a couple of years, you can start a business like this without much upfront investment. And what you're actually investing is yourself and your time. And you're trading that for money for the business, basically. So no, not much investment. And I think that also some of my other chats have shown that with a certain kind of business, that's very doable. And that's not every kind of business. That's not Mevo or Flamingo or a retail shop where you have to buy stock. I know that. But for certain businesses where you're creating things, you can use your working capital, it's called. Like your basically your effort and your time in exchange for the business. 
So a few questions came in about selling at the markets because we actually started sweet selling at the underground market, which is on the Wellington waterfront. And a few people have asked what that was like. And I'm going to be really honest here. Markets are hard. It can be cold. It can be really quiet. You're basically standing there behind a table with your life and your heart in front of you and saying, judge me. People walk past and judge you. <laughs> but then, I mean, I guess that's the case with business to some extent for everything. So it's tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But it is such a good way to test your market, to test your products. Get an idea of whether you're in the right direction. Do people even want what you're going to sell? Get customer feedback. Get some numbers. Get those numbers that we were talking about before that you need to do sums based on. It's so valuable in terms of data and information and also building up a customer base. Like a lot of market people will tell you, those early customers that come to visit you in the market and they will come, they will come every week, they will find you, they will still be your customers today. And some of those people that came to the markets for Sweet when I was doing it with Sweet still go into Sweet now. Like it is so valuable. So even though I'm not going to sugarcoat how tough it is, I'm also going to be honest about how valuable it is. So in terms of when I went from there, it was actually only a couple of weeks into selling at the market that I got premises, which was a commercial kitchen to bake the goods in. I actually started out, which I mentioned in my Fix and Fog episode, that I started out in a rugby club. But I only lasted two weeks in the rugby club because it was very challenging. And then this amazing commercial kitchen space came up. And I won't go through the process of how I made that decision because I'm conscious of time but we got that commercial kitchen which was where we operated from and then I spent a year doing the market myself and then we had someone else help for a little bit and then around a year or so after we started we got a retail space which was in Karori which is actually just down the road from where our commercial kitchen was which is how we saw it and everything so taking on that first re retail space was a total game changer in many ways Retail is just a different story because previously we'd only really been selling online and then all of a sudden we had two commercial leases and we had this space that was open certain hours that had to be staffed certain hours, not just Saturday morning at the markets, like six days a week, you need someone there, you need to cover lunch breaks. Like I didn't even think about these things before we made this decision and it just shows you how you don't have to know all the answers to that. Like so much of what you come up against in business you're just going to figure out as you go along and there is no shame in that. I am not embarrassed to say. So we got the amazing retail space in Karoi and fitted it out and that I think is probably a whole podcast episode in itself because fitting out a space, especially one that used to be, it was a haberdashery shop, so like fabric and buttons and things, turning that into a cafe, what was I thinking? <laughs> but I think that that madness is a bit of a necessary ingredient because I probably wouldn't have done it otherwise, which I've talked a bit about on other episodes, that kind of naivety is necessary. So that turned into with the cake shop, which we had for a couple of years. So we had the online with the kitchen we made everything in the kitchen we took it down to the cake shop and it just really leveled up the business and it was amazing like having that space with the sweet logo on the window was just an absolute dream come true like it was a such a drive for me to make that happen and it's always been my dream so in terms of that kind of 
development of what it took to get from the market stall to the shop. People have asked about that. And I think that's a really good question because it seems like a really big jump uh, and a big milestone, which it was. But at the same time, it's very bit by bit. Like this happened over a series of two years uh, and everything kind of grew on top of itself. And like I said, I wasn't taking any money from the business. So everything was going back into the business. And that's how we saved up the money to start the shop, to fit out the shop, which cost about $15,000 roughly, maybe a bit more, to turn that haberdashery shop into a cake shop. And that was on a budget, let me tell you. You could spend a lot more than that on a fit out. But that was basically... It's just a step-by-step. Step. It's just every week consistently showing up, doing your thing, consistently maintaining quality, being obsessive about the business and being dedicated and passionate and just week on week on week putting in the hard work. And then it just grows incrementally, little bit by little bit every week. And then you just, it, it reasonably naturally flows from stage to stage in that way. So I think, like I said, even though it seems like a big jump, it kind of was like incremental over a couple of years and it naturally got to that stage. And having that shot was just a dream come true for me. So we also opened up a second cake shop, which was on Cuba Street in Wellington. And that again was like another year later, another year of consistency and obsessiveness and just slowly growing and growing and saving money, reinvesting money back into the business and getting it to the stage where we wanted to have a shop in town. And that's where the Cuba Street shop came in because a space came up again, like the space that came up in Karori the first time around, a space came up, I'm keeping my eyes open, I'm always on trade me, clicking around, looking for spaces and that one came up and it was just perfect for a cake shop like if you've ever been in Nielsen photos it's just screaming to be this beautiful bakery which it is now so that Cuba Street shop opened up and not long after that was when I got pregnant so that kind of takes us on to the process of when we sold the business but I will quickly touch on here somebody asked about the highlights and lowlights of starting your dream business which I think is a great question because it is a dream business and it was my dream business, but it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows and cupcakes, obviously. So I'll talk you through a little bit of that. So highlights wise, it was so fun. It was the most, it was the most fun thing I have done. It was so satisfying to see your, something you've created come to life with your own two hands from the ground up. I have brought this to life and it was just honestly the most satisfying and challenging but I say challenging in the highlights because for me a challenge is a real highlight as you maybe can tell I, I love a challenge so it was the most satisfying challenging thing I've ever done no two days are the same running a business is just a absolute roller coaster like you never know what's going to come up day to day and that that is also fun. You know, it obviously has its downsides, but that is also fun. And then there's also an aspect of giving people jobs in an industry that they love, which I've kind of touched on already, but there aren't many jobs in cupcake baking and cake making. And just being able to provide this workplace for people and to create this culture and this place where people can come and do what they love and be creative, that's just magic to me. So then I guess in terms of lowlights, I'm going to be really honest with you here. Running a business is really freaking stressful. Like, 
there's at some point there is always something going wrong uh, I, I think we called it on a previous episode putting out fires oh when I was talking to Fraser from Innocent Packaging you just constantly feel like you're putting out fires and it all comes back to you when you're the owner the buck stops with you and that is hard I get calls on the weekend uh, I, I get calls in the evening someone would text me at 9 p.m. at night and be like I'm sick I can't go in in the morning that's challenging there's also you know things like cakes would be missed one time I remember we were on the way to my husband's birthday party and as a customer calls my cake hasn't turned up it's my 21st tonight in two hours my cake's not here so of course turn the car around get back into the kitchen make that cake because it's seven o'clock on a Saturday night no one else is going to do it so I think that just really highlights for you what I mean like it's heart (laughs) and there's also an element of decision fatigue I'll call it having to make that many decisions from tiny tiny decisions like what flavors should we make in the shop that day to big decisions like taking on a new shop or a new employee or you know when you need to hire someone that is a I don't know how many there's probably some stats out there on how many decisions you have to make as a small business owner but that is that is tiring stuff Then there's an aspect of risk and the financial side of things, which is tricky. Um, I think for us, especially because we had my husband was also working in the business with me by, you know, after only about a year. So all of our financial eggs were in one basket, which is stressful. And thinking about like a, a disaster, like an earthquake or right now with COVID, everything, your whole livelihood is on the line and it's vulnerable. So I think that really highlights that. And then I think there's an aspect of having a team that is really hard. And like I said, giving people those jobs in the industry they love. And and I had so much fun working with our team. But it's emotionally very challenging having a team when you are the owner of the business. You're the employer, but you're also their boss and their friend. And there's just so many layers to that that's challenging. And I, like I mentioned, I'm an empath. I'm very sensitive and I feel things really strongly. And and I'm not ashamed of that, but it made having a team very difficult. Like I would take on the weight of everyone and I would really feel like so-and-so doesn't seem happy today. And I'd feel that and I'd want to correct that. Whereas from a when you've got your business hat on, you shouldn't really be worrying about those things so much, but hard when you're an empath. So I think I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. And like I said, overall, this is the most fun, satisfying, amazing thing I have ever done. But I'm going to be honest with you about the challenging parts of it. And for me, those were kind of the main lowlights, if we call them that. So a couple of people have asked about work-life balance which is so right to ask and so topical I think for me especially I sold the sweet business when uh, my first child was about a year or so old and this is an interesting one because I did spend that past year only working a couple of days a week in the office and I had I had a lot of time with my little girl so on the outside, it looked very balanced, but mentally not balanced for me. And I think that was where the decision came from. Because even if I was with my girl, I had the phone, I had the staff members texting me, I had the cakes going missing, I had the financial concern, you know, all of those mental things. And I think that's where it, it showed up. So I think 
time-wise, having that balance is not necessarily impossible. Uh, and I think if you prioritize it, it's very possible. But I think emotionally, that is maybe more challenging, depending on the kind of person that you are. But we spent, so we were in our mid-20s when we started Sweet. And I say we because, like I mentioned, Brad, my husband, ran the business with me and worked in it. So we were young. We didn't have responsibilities. We definitely worked really hard, six days a week, 12-hour days, working till midnight. Like, we hustled. It's like the definition of that real cringe hustle term, but that's what we were doing. But that was right for us at that stage of our life, and it was doable. So I think there's no simple answer to that work-life balance. It's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing, basically. But if you make it a priority, I definitely think it's possible and to have a successful business. But it's a hard one for me to answer because of the time of life that we were at, there wasn't so much of a balance. It was my, it was my, it took over. It was my life. So yeah, it's a funny one. I'm not sure that's the best answer, but I think you need to do personal thinking about what's what balance looks like for you and what's more most important for you where your values lie I guess in terms of moving on from the sweet business so about I think it must be coming up to two years now we sold the business we sold the sweet bakery business and this was about a year like I said about a year after our little girl Demi who is now two and a half nearly three arrived and it was it was time to move on like I've mentioned, running a service-based small business like Sweet Bakery goes so far beyond full-time work. It's pretty all-consuming and it does take over a lot of your life like I've alluded to. And then an actual real-life human child comes into the picture. You just have to make some hard decisions, uh, especially I think because both my husband and I were both involved in the business. If you've got kids, you will know how fast time flies and how precious that time is with them when they are little like I swear time actually speeds up when you have children maybe it's just because you've got a visual representation of time growing in front of your very eyes but it, it's real and it hits hard so I think if you really know your values then that's not that hard a decision to make and I think that's what it was for Brad and I when we made that decision to move on from sweet. I'm not saying it was easy because it was probably the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. I love sweet so much, but it just, I just knew it was the right, the right thing, the right time. Uh, and we sold the business, which was fantastic. And I'm so proud of the fact that we built something that was, that was sellable and valuable and, and, and can carry on without us and does carry on to this day fantastically without us. So we actually, at the time that we sold the business, we also sold our house, which was in Kandala in Wellington, and we moved over to the Wairarapa, which is about an hour outside of Wellington. So it was kind of all part of this big lifestyle change because we managed to ditch our mortgage when we moved over, and it was all part of just prioritizing family and time. And like I said, just being really in touch with your values and trusting your gut and knowing what feels right to you, it was totally the right decision. So now I am working in marketing, like I mentioned. So when we made the decision to move on from Sweet, I spent a lot of time reflecting on what my favorite parts of the business were. 
So without a doubt, the bits that really got me like excited and fizzing was the branding, the marketing, communication, social media, and that kind of growth strategy planning side of things. So it seemed kind of simple to to take those bits that I loved and seek out roles that I could still do those things that I loved without the, you know, the other side of things that I've kind of alluded to, which weren't right for me at that time. And so that was why I started working as a marketing manager, marketing comms manager at Six Barrel Soda Co, which I love because it's also still in the food and beverage space, which is obviously where big part of my passion lies. And I think I've also, I've just never lost my passion for business. I still have a huge passion and get so excited chatting to people about business and career plans in general, not just business. Like if you even remotely mentioned to me that you've got this, an idea for a business or you want to start a YouTube channel or you're applying for a new job, you have to look out because I will come out with you with so much enthusiasm and lots of questions. Like I just love this stuff. So that's kind of where Pep Talk came from and takes us to now is that I I really love the business world still and I wanted to keep in touch with it basically and just kind of stay involved in this this part of the world that gets me so excited and, and passionate. So that that leads us to now and where we are so i really hope that that was helpful uh i it's a very odd not uh not being the interviewer and and having to answer these questions without having an interviewer for myself but i hope that i didn't just ramble at you for 45 minutes and maybe there were a few little nuggets in there that will stand out for you uh and maybe this kind of pep talk and everything makes sense now and you can see kind of where I'm coming from so thank you so much for coming along for the ride and please do if anything that I've talked about today stands out to you or you sparks an interest in you or you want to talk about it more you know where I am so please do get in touch like I said I love talking about business I'm a total business geek but I'm also interested in career planning and everything too so you have any questions do reach out the best way to get in touch is probably either via email which you can find on our website peptalk.co.nz or on instagram because let's be honest i am on there most of the time anyway so head to at peptalknz and just slide on into my dms and i'll be very happy to answer any more questions that have come out from that so thank you for listening in and hopefully my solo pod was interesting for you have a fantastic long weekend day off today and I'll see you next week until then bye